for centuries. We've been warned about little green men. Now, they are coming. They're coming for you. Prepare for the attack of the android. Okay, we are live. It is Thursday, February 26, 2015, and this is Attack of the Androids, episode number 149. I am Eric Finkenbeiner, filling in, taking the reins of Matt Lee, who is, uh, he says he's almost to Billings, Montana, but he's also five hours away. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, Joining me, though, tonight is uh, Nick Carroll. What's up, Nick? Hey, not much. Uh, Glad to be back. Uh, Glad to also know how how you pronounce your name, Matt keeps butchering it each time. <laughs> I know. It's it's like a it's like an inside joke that's not that funny. That's been going on ever since we started the show. Isn't that fun? It's not it's not Beaner, got it. <laughs> it is not Beaner. He's just an a-hole. <laughs> cool. So um I don't know, let's let's uh let's kick it off. Nick, you have a lot of those Kindle things. Um did you hear Last week's show about the Kindle Fire HDX bootloader becoming unlocked? Yeah, I was wondering when that would occur. Um, I, I did hear it about that time as well. I also did watch the podcast, and I was a little a little surprised uh, that that finally happened because, like, I have, like, probably half a dozen or so of them, you know, from the original uh, Kindle Fire to uh, various iterations and, like, a couple of the kid versions of the tablets, which uh, my two girls have. So, in fact, I think all four of my kids now have a, their own uh, Kindle Fire Plus my wife, and then we have the original, original one down there actually. But uh, yeah, I do have the HDX. Um, no, I've not <laughs> rooted it or anything like that. Uh, but uh, it is kind of cool to see to see that because like when I was in the market for an Android tablet in the very beginning, or for me at least around the time the Nexus 7 came out, or just before that, I was interested in getting a Kindle Fire for myself. Had Android smartphones, and I was used to the you know the stock uh, Android experience or a lightly scanned Android experience. So I was kind of used to that, so I wanted a tablet that would have that. But the Nook tablet that I bought didn't have that functionality. And in fact, the one that we bought was previously owned, wasn't properly deregistered. So I was going to try to root and, ro- root and ROM that. But um, my wife was convincing me to try to get a, ta- a Kindle tablet of my own. But I went to Google's website, just google.com, and a little advertisement came up for the Nexus 7. And that's basically where I've gone since. But I've always considered getting a Kindle fire for myself, but it's stock skin has always made me not interested in the product. So I'm glad to hear that that now it's an option even on their more recent tablets. So Well and the price point is pretty good. I you know I'm I'm a fan of the Nexus tablets and the Nexus seven has traditionally been pretty affordable. You can get good deals on them now if you're you know if you're watching uh yeah. you know like Android deal sites. Um but you know this thing. I think the HDX, the cheapest one, is like 159 or something. So it's not. It's actually not that expensive if you wanted to get something simple. Yeah, it's pretty pretty decent uh, uh, screen. Uh, pretty good processor, and it's uh, still pretty zippy. Um, my wife uh, basically uses it, for, you know, for the most part. So I, I don't deal with that a lot. But I, I do think outside of the the Amazon's stock interface, I think uh, what is it called? Fire. Uh, what is it called? I can't remember what it's called. Fire OS. Fire OS, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of the word OS for operating system. But uh, <laughs> yeah, He's a tech um, guy, folks. 
Yeah, there you go. So, uh, but yeah, it's it, everything outside of the the user interface is pretty cool, and uh, I would I would have one myself had I not steered towards Nexus, and if ROMs were more available to it. So I'm glad to see that that's now an option. So, what is what I think is really cool. We we did this like the the uh, the bootloader unlock uh, had just come out I think like right before the show last week or it had just been announced. Um, so I went to the I should have taken a screenshot. I went to the um, to like the Android development uh, forum and you know there was like one or two things that wasn't it wasn't crazy. If you go there now on XDA, there there are um, two pages of stuff now. Like you just see you know there's like maybe one thing here from December, one thing there from December, but then you hit like you hit this point, and all of a sudden it's like toolkit, toolkit, ROM, yeah. ROM, toolkit. Yeah, change the partition size, twerk, flashable, all that stuff. Yeah, looking at it now, it's pretty cool. I think it's great. Like I, I highly encourage you to like do this and just yeah. see how it works, Nick. <laughs> see, cool. see if it becomes more usable. Yeah. Like the Android Nexus. Well, that's nice. Uh, I don't know, man. What do you want to talk about next? We got Pebble. We got Nexus 6, Android 5.1. What do you think? Actually, I would like to talk about the Pebble because uh, this is a bit, this right now with the new product that they're announcing and put on Kickstarter, this is actually the first Pebble I would actually consider getting myself because it's now in color. <laughs> so, uh, And it actually looks pretty nice, too, and it's much slimmer than the original model. It looks a little childish, you might say, but it's it still looks pretty cool, and I like the interface, the interface itself that they've been showing. And this is something they've been having in development, you know, for months. But they just announced it on Kickstarter, and it smashed some Kickstarter goals, you know. And it's like the last I saw was like over seven million, and that was like yesterday, maybe it was the day before, I can't remember. But it's uh, a yeah, it's, it's pretty been cool. live for two days, yeah. so it has twenty eight days to go, and they are already over. Ten and a half million dollars. Wow! And you know the cool thing about this, you know this. Well, there's a few cool things about it. But let me start with with what I think are, are are cool. So first of all, this isn't like just some company you've never heard of. This is Pebble essentially, and they're and they've already established on previous Kickstarters that their smartwatches are pretty good, and then they've come to market with them and they've advanced them and, they, and they've come out with their own you know app store and the product has evolved and they've even come out with the steel version and different, you know, what do you call it, wrist straps, whatever, and it's evolved as a product, and it looks better, and this is yet another evolution. It's going in a slightly different direction in terms of the look, but no doubt you could put, you know, different, you know, straps on them, and they'll come out with new versions over time, but they're they have a proven track record of producing these, and it's kind of cool that they're kind of showing how, how much, uh, what do you call it, how much popularity they still have today, by just throwing it out on Kickstarter and boom, it blows up like this. So it was a gamble. It could have bombed, but you know, you know uh, it worked out really well for them. You know, the one thing though that I'm looking at, because I've I've owned both of the um, previous original pedals. Yeah, mm -hmm. like the Kickstarter edition and the Steel. Um, if you compare it to other uh, smartwatches out there, it doesn't have any of the sensors that they do. Um, Heart monitors, like it, it may have an accelerometer. I was trying to look through here and see if that was the case. Yeah, it's got a lower but, res interface. It's black and white, you know. But it is cheaper, and it is its own product, and it's also compatible with iOS and Android. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, and you know, I I had a lot of problems with the Pebble, um, like the the Bluetooth pairing stuff yeah. was just kind of off. Yeah, um, I remember you mentioned recently, that on a previous podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I I, uh, I decided to charge it like a few days ago once they announced this and um, try to start using it again. Um, yeah. It's gotten better, but I don't know. Like, and th- I look at this thing and they it look you know the color screen's cool, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, the, they still don't have uh, the sensors, though they say in the Kickstarter that they have a sensor port. So, like, okay. Interesting. I guess you could build a sensor and put it into the <laughs> wrist strap and then have it connect. I, You know, that's still questionable. I mean, I think that this is still, you know, this is still the smartwatch if you want it to be first and foremost a watch. Yeah, it says here 20% slimmer, which is not bad, 9.5 millimeters. That's pretty cool. And it retains its water resistance. You know that's good. And plus, if you buy now, not only is it oh, one of the other, well, two of the other cool things was a, it's cheaper. It's like 1.99 if you buy it, you know, in the stores or when it's released. But it's it's cheaper if you buy it, you know, on the Kickstarter edition. But also, it gets labeled Kickstarter edition, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, and it looks like the first 10,000 backers were able to get it at 159 dollars. Nice. Uh, with a, with a May delivery date, the next thirty thousand got it for one seventy nine with a May delivery date, and uh, you know they're they're creeping. They're almost to fifty thousand people, so uh, everybody else can still get um, their Pebble, but it's going to be one hundred seventy nine dollars, and it won't be delivered until June. Okay, well that's pretty cool though. I'd probably yeah. rather wait wait for that just to like. You know, you don't get the Generation 1 version of, well, I guess the, the Generation 3 product or Generation... <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, that very first, you know, wave of products that come out, like the Nexus 7, for example. I waited a month to get the Nexus 7 because there were reports that, you know, the very first month edition of the Nexus 7 had some issues. So I waited a month, and, I've had, and I got a rock-solid one. So it may be a kind of a nice bit to get the ones that come out in the second wave. So that's cool. Yeah, that first production run can be... a Problematic, maybe. Yeah, and one thing uh, uh, I'll talk about here, it says here the Pebble Time also brings in a complete overhaul of the original Pebble UI. This is from androidandme.com. I wonder if that means that, like, existing Pebble smartwatches will also get this uh, interface or if it is only limited to the, the new version. I wonder how that works. Like, how technologically advanced is the new operating system? Can the older hardware run it? It seems I, – I looked in the Kickstarter, and it says Timeline will work on Pebble and Pebble Steel. So I'm thinking that uh, at least some of the functionality is going to come to the original. Pebbles. Oh, cool. And I no, do like the, the look of it. I'm sorry. Go ahead and say that last thing again. Oh, they don't, have a, they don't have a timeline on it, though. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, we'll say I do like the animations and just the overall look of it, and apparently you can swipe down or up. You know, kind of, kind of like Android Wear to some extent, but you can actually more like Google Glass, I guess, and you have more experience with that. But you can just go up and down, and you know, so that's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm still not sold completely on the look. Um, it kind of looks a little kiddish to me, especially like if you look, if you like the original Pebble, I kind of understand. You know, it was the yeah. first gen product, and it looked a little goofy. Yeah. But I mean, they they went to the steel, and it looked like a nice watch. Yes. And now it's sort of. You know, maybe maybe this is going for the more casual crowd, but yeah. it feels like it's a little bit of a step back design-wise. Well, yeah, well, the combination of the look of, of the smartwatch itself plus the look of the operating system, I think it's consistent with, with each other, but I do think, in a sense, it looks ch- childish. But I do think they will, 
as I've proven before with the Pebble Steel. They'll iterate on this, come out with another version that's maybe more serious, and maybe they'll even put that on Kickstarter. Okay, so you're backing it or you're not backing it? I'm putting you on the putting you on the spot. I may very well get one, but I'm not sure if I'll get a Kickstarter edition. But that the only reason I'm saying that is I may still get an Android Wear variant at some point. Like I'm not going to get the Moto 360, but if there's a follow-up to that, which there likely will be, I would get that. But I, I don't know. The thing is, a lot of these Android products have like a year life cycle. You buy the HTC One, the Galaxy S, whatever. You know, or even in other markets, the Apple, the iPhone this, iPhone that, generally has a one-year release cycle. So I'm kind of waiting to see what Android Wear has to bring with their second generation of smartwatches. But this is a far more attractive look and, you know, a design as well as functionality for the Pebble in my eyes that makes me now actually interested in getting one. I've never been interested in getting the original Pebble or the Pebble Steel personally because I didn't like the look and the way it the way it operated, the way I've seen videos. But this new one, I think it looks much better. I think that it's more fresh and vibrant, and that's, that's appealing to me. So. Yeah, and you would know. I mean, you're, you're the one that has kids, the young people. Yes. Lots the of influence. kids. Yeah, their uh, disco balls and their bell bottoms and their 8-track, fancy stuff like that. It's, it's, that's, it's very scary. Yes. Um, so uh, I guess maybe we'll stick with the watch thing for a couple more stories. Um, the Moto 360 supposedly getting Moto Maker customization in March. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not that. quite sure what you would customize outside of, like, the color. The, or the wristband. Moto Maker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can kind of, you know, customize the wristband already, but, you know, the actual... I wonder if there'd be like a plate around it. I mean, I'm not sure you want to make it any more bulky than it is. It's not too bulky, but let's be honest, almost all the Android Wear um, devices, watches, you should say, yeah, the watches in Android Wear are all relatively bulky, and they, they look fine if you're like a man um, or you're like a geek, that kind of deal, but not too many women are going to wear these because they don't look like that. And I think that's something that like the Pebble, the new watch has, it has like a look that, could be, you know, some some women, some girls might might wear it, but the Moto 360 is not something I think that most women would put on their wrist. So uh, maybe if they have an option for, you know, one that's maybe a smaller, <laughs> that I, I guess that'd be more of a design change a, as a whole. But if there's a another way of customizing it, I'm not sure what they would do outside of just the steel, you know, silver or black. You know. Well, here we go. I I found a. I don't know. Is this is this screen share coming through, Nick? Let me check. Oh yeah, that so, looks good. Yeah. Yeah. See th that? This is this is a screenshot, and uh, this came from uh, Wired. So it looks like you'll be able to customize the, you know, the housing. Housing. Got um, it. The band. And the face. That's cool. Yeah, I mean that's that's okay. Um, and okay, maybe that, by watch I, face they mean this. That like makes the, the yeah. Color around. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, that looks that looks pretty good. And I think that's something, you know, they should focus on. That's certainly consistent with their design philosophy and what they've done, you know, with their other products, you know, particularly the Moto the Moto X, you know, the two generations of that. But I do think that them, like other other companies like Samsung and LG, et cetera, Sony, should come out with a feminine version of these watches to appeal to really the other half of the population. You know, they they deserve that too. So 
Yeah, and you know maybe that's the future. I I highly doubt it that they will that there's going to be a uh, a moto maker to you know make it less bulky, but yeah, who knows? Um, speaking, you know what I'm. This might be a good time to segue. So, <laughs> Motorola's design choices. Did you did you uh, hear about the interview with Johnny Ive and sort of the back and forth between Motorola and them? Yeah, uh, I I heard a comrade Johnny Ive's <laughs> little uh, I wouldn't say tirade, but his his opinion that you know that you shouldn't really be as a designer you shouldn't allow your your customers or audience to customize the experience you know that that you create so. It's kind of their argument for not allowing customization of, you know, their Apple products. But, you know, and I guess to some extent a dig on Motorola, which Apple and Mo- Motorola his- historically, particularly in the last decade or more, haven't got along <laughs> very well. But uh, it's kind of a, a weird opinion to have as a designer, in my opinion, because if you're a designer, I think most designers would respect the ability to adapt design based on customer preference. You know, it's not like the Apple iPhone only comes in black. It comes in different colors. And same thing with the iPhone 5S that they came out with, all these different colors, you know, letting letting the customers choose, you know, which type of phone or device to get. So, I don't know. And this is what I do. That's what I don't understand. So <clears throat> most of the Motormaker customization, especially if you talk to Matt, would be around color. Yeah. But, you know, if you look, you have the, you know, the iPhone, like the 5C, um, even with the watch, like they're talking about having a gold version of the watch. Yeah. So, I'm. I don't. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. But yeah. To, to quote Johnny Ives, but you know, directly. So this is from an interview he gave with the New Yorker. He he specifically asked to not name the company he was referring to, um, but he said, "There." So this company, the mystery company, their value proposition was make it whatever you want. You can choose whatever color you want. And I believe that is advocating your responsibility as a designer. Yeah, and that's that's the part that I didn't understand because he yeah. he honed in specifically on you can choose whatever color you want, which is exactly what they do with the five C. Yeah, the five C. You can not only choose the color of you know the the phone itself, but you can get different cases and you can actually mix and match cases, even though the cases look pretty bad in my opinion. But, uh, you know, that's something that they can do. You can buy different versions of the iPhone, not just in device specifications, you know, like amount of storage or whatever, but you can buy it in gold or, you know, silver or black, space gray or whatever, you know. So, I mean, it's not like they're, they're, they haven't been doing that, you know. Yeah, very odd. Uh, sorry, it, it looks like there might be a problem with my video, so maybe you get to look at a moto. Moto 360. Yeah, we seem to have a lot of these uh, technical problems thanks to Hangouts, really, unfortunately. So. Yeah, I'll be submitting a bug report. Don't you worry. Can you turn the camera off and on, or is it, and will that fix it, or what? I mean, obviously you, you know can't what? leave the session, but... Live troubleshooting, we're going to do that. So here there we you go. go. Well, I see uh, the Android blue, blue. <laughs> now oh, I see you. There we go. Hey, look at yep. that. See? See, now I feel bad that I made fun of Nick's technical abilities early in the show. He's done it. Yep, I do some computerizing. That's right. I do some computerizing and PCing and stuff like that. Well, then I think you deserve a nicer watch. And that watch is the LG Watch 
Urban. Urban is how it's Urbane. pronounced. Are you sure? Everyone I've been listening to has said it, but then again, I've heard everyone call John Ledger John Legier and John all sorts of things, but his name is actually John Ledger. So I've heard the masses be wrong before, but everyone I've heard has called it Urbane. Okay. Well, the the official I'm gonna I'm gonna you know put a put my stake in the ground. The official pronunciation of the Attack of the Androids podcast is going to be Urbane. Urbane. Because <laughs> Urbane. Because we are we're classier than that. That's right. So the so the Urbane watch, which we talked about last week, has um you know it's it's LG's sort of like very pretty professional. It's it's their pebble steel coming yeah. in gold and silver. Um. So that has been, I guess, officially announced with a price point of two hundred and ninety-nine pounds. So that's like four hundred and sixty-two dollars. Yeah. Ooh, what do you think, Nick? How about it, that price point? It's definitely on the more glamour side, but to be honest, that's what you need to do if you're going to go into this game as some sort of a watch watchmaker. You know, Rolex doesn't just make one watch. You know, a lot of these other companies don't just make one watch. They have different variations they sell. You know, over time. And we're seeing what looks like to be, honestly, a very attractive watch here, and obviously for a premium. So uh, yeah, that looks that looks great. I actually like it. Now, you know, I think it's a stark contrast to uh, was it the G Watch R, which, in my opinion, didn't look good at all, even though it had a round display. Um, I thought the display was size was good if you're going to have like a, a female, you know, a feminine version of that watch. But I didn't like the overall look of it, and this actually. Turns that, you know, on its ear, and it makes it look much better, in my opinion. What I think the the LG like the the G Watch R was more of the, um, like I don't know, like I would think like the the outdoorsy type, yeah. like it looked very sporty, um, sporty, yeah, yeah, now, like a sporty version. Like I have the screen share going, like that that looks like a nice professional watch. Like dude's got cufflinks, it's yeah. nice. Um, yeah. now. I will say though, like the champagne color and yes. contrasted with this, they they look different. Yeah, they do. Like they I wonder if they have different bodies or different. What do they call it on the on the the motorcycle? Anyways, chassis or whatever we call that housing. Yeah, definitely the housing looks different. I'm not sure why. But yeah. um, so like I I look at that and you know that that sort of concerns me. But I'm, that price point though is way way too high. You can yes. get a nice yeah. phone for that. Um, there are a lot of things. I just and it it seems a little odd too. Um, so there's an Android Me article which we're gonna have in the show notes, which is uh, discussing the fact that this the Urbane or is not going to have um, it's not gonna have Android Wear. It's going to be a custom OS that is compatible with Android Wear. And it's also compatible with iOS. That's if I remember correctly. That's one of the things about it, which struck me. Or maybe actually, you know what? I'm not sure if that's correct. HTC is supposedly developing a watch, which I believe is compatible with both. So, or I can't remember what I have heard rumors of someone like HTC or LG or maybe, you know, yeah, doing that. But you know, that that's appealing to me as well. If it's something that's more cross-platform, although personally I'm more into Android Wear because because that's kind of what I'm into. But one thing I wanted to bring up is regarding the price here. Keep in mind, Apple is going to come out with different versions of their their watch as well. They're going to have a sport version. They're going to have more glamorous versions as well. You know, ironically. So, you know, I do see the market for more expensive, 
smart watches, you know, not just from LG, but, you know, from Apple and, and obviously others, you know, with real watches like from Rolex, etc. Yeah, I guess it's a fair point. It just, it, I don't know, like it, it doesn't quite hit the mark with me on the on the price point at this point. And I don't think most, like Apple still has this mind share, um, you know, it feels like amongst the elites that, you know, it still has this mind share. So how many you know, rich, successful people are going to, you know, opt for the LG watch over the uh, over the Apple watch. Yeah, the ma the main thing these uh, companies need to do is just keep marketing their product and get them out there. Come out out with these agreements like Amazon and Walmart and Best Buy and Fry's electronic stores, both retailers and e-tailers, and try to get it to where the products are out there and maybe have specials, you know, over time and just keep working on that because the big Achilles heel for the Apple Watch when it comes out is going to be that user interface, that bubbly, kind of silly looking user UI that they're going to force down people's throats and they're they're going to, you know, make people like it or whatever. So this product may succeed or may not, but that's that's the Apple Watch's biggest weakness is the UI. It looks nice. I like the look of the, the device, but it's going to be expensive and uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I I'm not sold on the I'm not sold on the um, interface of the iOS watch. It it yeah. it seems, I, it doesn't seem as simple. Um, and I remember when it was when it was first showed uh, like shown off. Um, it seemed like other people were feeling the same way. Like the the interface didn't quite click. It might yeah. be something that you have to sort of do in person, like you have to hands on and and maybe it clicks it. then, but. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely have, you know, the market presence, but whether or not it'll be successful or bomb, like the Amazon Fire Phone, the big thing that killed that, you know, was, was well, it's price, but they could have changed it around if they had released it for a much lower price and still try to do much of the same thing. So they took their Kindle Fire approach to the, to the Fire Phone, you know, maybe it would have done well for them. And my biggest concern here for, for Apple is that, this may, to some extent, bomb simply because of the user interface. It's such a drastic change, and I'm not sure how intuitive it's going to be, but you know, we'll see. Well, one last thing before we get off this watch train. Um, the Urbane will have LTE, NFC. Um, so I, maybe there's going to be two versions. So there's going to be the non-LTE and the LTE version, which is, is going to have LTE and NFC hmm. and a bigger battery. Hmm. So... And if you look at the if you look at the photo, um, which I'm scared to screen share again, um, yeah. you like, and I, I actually you know what that's probably the difference. So we we saw like the nice version, which is probably like the regular one, yeah. but the LTE version, that that area, the chassis, if you will, you yeah. can see a little dot for a microphone, and then a little dot and like a little a little like speaker. So maybe you can make phone calls and you can talk into your watch like you're some you know secret agent or something. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is right. A... So, uh, Nick, we you have kids. We discussed it earlier. Uh, what do you think about YouTube Kids? Have you already installed it on all of your devices? Actually, no, because even though my youngest kids, uh, I could probably get them to use it. I, I think YouTube as a product is so entrenched that it's going to be hard to have people use the YouTube Kids 
app. So in fact, I'm not absolutely sure if it's a separate app itself or if it's like something that's built into the YouTube player. But you would have to, if you're going to use it, you would have to, like let's say you have a smartphone and you have the, the app loaded, you'd really have to pin that app you know, for a kid to be stuck using it because otherwise they could just you know, tab out of it or whatever you call it. Yeah, and it is a separate app. It's a completely okay. separate app, and you'll um, you'll be able to have your own like little rules. Um, you know, some of the basics of it is that it's you know it 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 gives the kids access to um, a particular set of content. It hmm. sounds like they've they've gathered all this stuff that they know is kid safe, yeah. um, and they've you know they've given that app access to it. Um, it's locked into uh, it's locked into landscape mode, um, yeah. which I guess I mean, you know that kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. Every time I see a kid with their tablet, it is in landscape mode unless they're playing a game. Yeah. Um, and it it you know it has parental controls. Um, now if, if the Android Central article says that they're not they're not that, but I mean one thing which I you know I I have friends that have kids and. It sounds like you know they have they have these limits. Like you can use the you can use the tablet for an hour, and then you're not allowed to use it anymore. So you can you can do that in the app. You can say, yeah. okay, you can watch YouTube for you know up to two hours, um, yeah. and then it is locked out, and the and mommy and daddy got to go in there and and unlock it for them. Yeah, from what I saw, the unlock it like uh, to unlock it. Uh, you put in like a four-digit code or whatever, but it looks like it actually has a word spelled out of like one, two, three, and four, like spelled out as words above it. So this may be for like really young kids. I saw that on uh, uh, All About Android um, that they were showing it and they were putting in a pen. It was like one, two, three, four or whatever, but you could see the words one, two, three, four is the pen that's needed. So I wonder if that's by design or if that was just, you know, something there. I, I'm not sure. I haven't actually played with the app myself. I'm not personally interested in it, and even though I have uh, uh, two girls that are 10 and 8, respectively, they're watching all the regular YouTube content, and I wonder if if the amount of content that's actually just limited to YouTube kids is too finite <laughs> to where... Well, this has to be for younger kids. I mean, what yeah. you just pointed out, how it yeah. says for the, for the lock, okay... Yeah. Please press three, four, <laughs> like, <laughs> my God. Um, this has yeah. to be for, like, young, young kids. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, whoever replies, there can't be any foul language. There can't be, like, probably not even, like, zombie games. It's probably, like, you know, your Mario-esque 2, 2D side-scrollers or whatever. I don't know. Minecraft, well, just for videos. I guess. So maybe you, can, you can only watch Minecraft videos. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's cool. I'm gonna have to, you know, I got a, I got a friend. He's got, he's got younger kids, and it sounds like they only, they only watch Minecraft videos. So I may need to have him experiment for the show. Yeah. And uh, my two girls watch that, is. but, but I mean, they're on computers a lot, and they do have like Kindle tablets. But this app, I'm sure, is not on there. You'd probably have to find it and sideload it, you know. So, yeah. Um, I probably would not be able to experiment much with it. Like I would have to play around with it, but I don't have any devices. You know, maybe if I root and ROM this HDX, I could uh, put it on there for them. But I don't know. Yeah, I would be. I'd be careful. Next thing you know, you you can't watch anything on your tablet except for little kids shows. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, 
MB in the chat is saying that the the internet, according to the to the mind of the internet, that this is targeted for kids four and older. So yeah, that's that's pretty young. Pretty young. Okay. Uh, well, Android 5.1 is uh, you know that's all a buzz now. Um, you know we started seeing little leaks here and there, and now. Uh, it turns out that the Verizon Nexus 6 might be launching with it on March 12th. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the, and I, the I wish that down were here. Yeah, the only down, the only downside is it's taken them months to get the Nexus 6 actually out of, as a product. You know, AT&T and, and Sprint and T-Mobile had it out relatively quickly, quickly after release, if not by release. It was like real close, and Verizon, they're just like half-stepping, I don't know. Do you think that they, you know, that this was ready earlier and that they just wanted to have something big to go with the launch? Yeah, I think so. Because even though, you know, they have a real good relationship with Motorola, but they they have not still demonstrated a good relationship with Google. Even though, you know, they're now selling Nexus phones that are going to be pretty close to stock. So. The article is saying that uh, it's going to feature advanced calling, which I'm. I don't know what that is, and uh, and voice over LTE support. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering if it was related to that Volte, you know. But I think you pretty much have to be on their network and have a phone that supports that to only talk with other people on the network with a phone that supports that. I think that's the downside of Volte, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Uh, and I'm looking through the article. It looks like you know, there's a little toggle from the settings menu, so it looks like maybe that advanced calling voice over LTE is is one and the same thing. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean that's cool. I, the I'm happy that Verizon people, you know, like Matt, can can finally yeah. have access to a Nexus Six. Yeah. Um, I mean, if because I can tell you from having from having the Motorola X, like this is a nice phone. Yes. Yeah, in other markets, the Nexus Six is going to be sold as the Motorola X Pro, like in China or wherever, whatever Lenovo is taking it. They're taking it to other markets in Asia, but they're going to sell it as the Moto X Pro. And it's going to be the same Nexus you have, but it's going to obviously be slightly customized, you know, with with their skin, et cetera. So. Oh, great! I can't wait to see the the Lenovo skin. Um, <laughs> this might be the last time I buy a Motorola if they start screwing with stuff. Oh yeah, like you've heard about the whole Superfish thing on the Lenovo Windows laptops that were sold like late last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, you know, I, I've always considered getting like a Lenovo Chromebook, for example. They have some like that, and clearly they probably wouldn't put something like that on there. But it was like this kind of error or lapse in judgment, which could allow this kind of application to be approved and steamrolled into however many hundreds of thousands of laptops. Or, you know, that's kind of crazy. But well, how about that, Nick? So, real quick, like maybe like the thirty-second summary. What is the Superfish thing, and and you know, explain why you would be concerned if something like this leaking into the Motorola uh, hardware. Okay, so typically in the Windows world, you you deal with you know you can buy your notebook or PC or whatever, and it'll have like a little bit of bloatware on it if you buy it from HP or Lenovo or whatever. But you typically don't expect malware on this brand new notebook you you tend to deal with that you know downloading it from a online store or uh, from a website or whatever and so that's generally where you deal with that well in this case Lenovo pre-installed uh, something called Superfish some 
adware, maybe even spyware. I don't, I don't remember all the technical details about it, but it's pre-installed on these notebooks to where like if you're browsing and you get like a helper app that points you to, to like if you're going to hover over a link, you'll get like a hyperlink and you can buy this product and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's malware effectively and it comes pre-installed and it, you couldn't just remove it easily. You had to find, know about it and then find it. And I think there's even a, a removal tool. But anyways, that's basically the, the one-minute summary of it. Okay, so so taking a lot of these things that we've seen in the past and just bringing them back to phones. Yeah, special. That's concerning. Blowware is something you expect. Malware, not so much. Not out of the box. So. Yeah. Um, so in the chat room, it looks like advanced calling. Just to go back to that real quick, is uh, the ability to talk on the phone and be on the internet at the same time, which is something that you know GSM folks are like, oh yeah, we've been doing that for years. Yeah. But if you're on a CDMA phone, that's yeah. not something you could do. Yeah, I was wondering, because I've not been in that experience. I've always dealt with AT&T and T-Mobile in, uh, in the past, but uh, I was always wondering if if the voice was carried over like the GSM or whatever, not or the CDMA network, but the LTE part, like data, was just LTE only, and if, if that was segmented that way, you couldn't actually have the voice over the LTE part, so I don't know. Unfamiliar yeah. territory for me, so... Um, so Android, since we're talking about the Nexus 6 with Android 5.1, yeah. uh, XDA has a list of what is supposed to change in 5.1. Um, looks like a change log uh, had leaked um, last yeah. year. Th this top so, one is the big one. Silent mode added after missing on Android 5.0. That's that's a godsend. Uh, I, I hate that the priority system, you know, mutes everything, even alarms. So like for me, I always have to consciously make sure that my when I set it to to none that it's that it's over before my alarm goes off in the morning. So that's that's the biggest improvement I see here uh, at the top. Well and I mean also like some stuff, like system stuff, uh stability, RAM management, um they say uh improved battery management, which is always good. Um excessive consumption of network devices when hmm. Wi Fi is when used Wi-Fi. Hmm. I'm not sure what that... I I'll, mean, I'll, it's taking up too much data when you're on Wi-Fi? Yeah, I'll be honest. I haven't really noticed these other issues. I'm still going down the list, but yeah, I don't... I, I, like, well, I have a Nexus 5, and it's still relatively you know, high-end, but it's been working great for me, and the only thing that I've had has been that user experience issue, but that's interesting. Well, I will say this. I have had it reboot like two or three times since I've had it, but I've had it for a few months, so but that's about it. Well, it looks like also, I mean, these are a lot of system improvements, but it, it appears that they will also be doing um, some uh, toggle changes. So we'll do that screen share again. And if you look at the go full screen, so Wi-Fi toggle, mute that. Check that out. We got the regular toggle. Oh, oh wow. okay. So you can. That's cool. So you don't have to do like the um, hold down and all that stuff or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, like, like actually leave the menu. Yeah. Which is nice because it does sort of mess up the experience, especially if you're working on something. Um, and <laughs> it's like I just want to switch. I just want to go to Wi-Fi, and all of a sudden it takes you out of the app. Uh, that can be a little a little jarring, certainly. Okay, let me get back. That's, here. Pretty, that's pretty cool. The the only 
issue is, you know, 5.1 is only going to be available to like a very small percentage of, of people initially, you know, Nexus owners essentially, and maybe the Moto X. And then eventually you'll see these other carriers come out with, they'll get this update as well, but with their own skins, I'm not sure how compatible or compliant it'll be with that, or even if you'll notice, you know, LG or Samsung or, or Oppo or whatever. But at least yeah, all the well, other, I was going to say, at least all the other system-related uh, features will be good, you know, for stability, etc. Well, I, I kind of hope that they're, uh, that they're, like, targeting this platform. Um, you know, like, it, but what I mean by that is that, you know, this has been in the pipeline for a while, um, and since a lot of this does have to do with... Um, since a lot of it does have to do with uh, stability and things, um, maybe we haven't seen 5 come out to a lot of devices because they were waiting for 5.1. But that's just my hope. I, yeah. It may not be true. I, I would just hope that you, with all the stability stuff that that became the new target. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, well, yeah, that's true. The stability, I would imagine, is probably an issue for a lot of people. You know, it is, you know, a 5.0 product. It's brand new iteration of something, you know, that, that's often pretty common, like, just on a personal note, like, whenever I buy uh, cars, I mostly buy, I pretty much buy used cars, but I never buy the first year model of any <laughs> used car for that kind of reason, you know, so that makes sense to me that some people, will, some carriers, for example, or other places may not put, manufacturers, OEMs may not put the latest version of Android on the phone, they want a quality assurance, you know, quality check it, etc., and I, I mean, it's some dangerous stuff if we're looking at um, like issues with wireless connections, excessive consumption of data. Which I granted it was only on Wi-Fi, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little concerning. I like I can imagine why they would why they would be um, why they might have problems with that. Yeah, um, for, for me, I'm somewhat isolated in the sense that you know, spend bulk of my time at the house or at work, and. I'm not out as much, so I've always got you know, the ability to charge it like wirelessly at work or through a wire at home. So I probably haven't been in the position to experience like battery drain, excessive battery drain. I don't think I would notice, you know, excessive network utilization on on Wi-Fi. So that those kind of things I wouldn't personally notice. So. Okay, um, I'm gonna real quick. I'm gonna switch back to the. Uh, I'm gonna switch back to the video. For some reason, it did not. Uh, it didn't come through for folks. So just real quick, if, if you're watching the video and you want to see sort of what we're talking about um, with the toggle, and I'll have this in the show notes as well. Um, so you can see we go in there and then, oh my God, I can switch Wi-Fi without actually having to go to a separate menu. So pretty neat. All right. Jeez, yep. what's blowing through these stories? Um, yeah. Hey, real quick, I just want to, yeah. before we go to the next story, you remember Quality Time, the app that Matt has been talking about over the last month that he's been using? Uh, finally oh, yeah. got a chance to look at it, and it's actually pre pretty cool. Let me uh, show, like, I'm, I doubt this will show. Let me see if I can lower the brightness. Well, anyways, let's see if it'll show on screen. Maybe not. Okay, the... <laughs> Cameras automatically darkening the screen to see it. No, it looks good. Looks good. Yeah, but this is uh, pretty pretty good, and it's pretty pretty sweet. It's showing me how how much I use it per day and what apps I use the most. You can kind of check that out. And I actually I actually like it. I didn't think I would like it, but it shows me that I'm using Maps, Google Maps a lot. 
um, my VIP token at work for authentication purposes, check email, stuff like that. So it's actually pretty cool, you know, text messaging, setting alarms. So I'm actually I'm actually liking that. So uh, definitely a thank you, Matt, for uh, talking about this because uh, uh, this is a keeper. It, it actually lets me see <laughs> how I'm using my phone in a better uh, better way than the than the stock uh, battery tool does. So in Android. I'll have to check it out. I've been running it for, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been running it for a few weeks. I've had it on my tablet for a little bit longer than that. Uh, I haven't really looked at the stats though. I just, I've just been letting it collect and see, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe next week I'll get my phone. We can compare stats. Yeah, I haven't found the weekly, like the weekly average or anything like that. But the daily average, I seem to be using about one to two hours a day. <laughs> so, interesting. Yeah, there were there were some days where it seemed like I was only unlocking my phone. Like I think one day it was only like ten minutes, but then other days it's like you spent two hours on your phone. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? That kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Uh, it it really makes you question some of the decisions you've made. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I use it a lot when I'm driving. Like I'll have like a, a podcast or or a video playing, or I'll have like the map up so I can kind of see. Oh, I need to take a different route to work or to school or home or something like that. So those it makes me realize those are the times when I actually use it a lot. It's not so much me playing video games or whatever. Yeah. No, for sure. Like most of the time it's just I you know, you open it up and you look at your email. Okay. Um f how about this one folding at home? Do you remember this uh folding at home is now compatible with Lollipop and non-Xperia devices. Wow. The only downside about that is, well, and maybe the app has this functionality of maybe it'll only run when you're plugged in. <laughs> I would hate to have it running while you're, you know, out on a, you know, on a hike or something like that, or you know, long drive and you don't have the ability to charge it, something like that. I don't know. Well, and that's I, – I look at this. Uh, folding at home is cool. Uh, if you guys don't know what it is, um, we used to see this like back in the day. We had, uh, I think, SETI at home and then folding yeah. at home. And what it's doing is it's using all of the computing power of uh, various devices to do complex calculations. I think there's um, something like that for the Genome Project or, or something like that. But, yeah, this kind of technology has been used in the past for different things, you know, finding – life in outer space and stuff like that, solving cancer, you know, that kind of deal. So, And if I remember right, like this is looking at how like different proteins fold. So, that, mm -hmm. And that's why they call it folding at home. It's so that way um, researchers can, um, you know, they, they, can see, they can sort of get a database of all these different variations of, um, of proteins. Um, holy crap, MB in the chat saying he still runs SETI at home. Um, I <laughs> I didn't think that that was even available anymore. Um, so yeah, so what it's doing is it's using your computing power when you're not. The problem I see with that is battery drain. Like if you're like I, maybe you can set like yeah you can set in here it shows in the screenshots like um, when you want it to calculate. So I guess you could you could do this like in the middle of the night when you're not using it, but I. I could just see like you plug your charger, you plug your phone into the charger at night, you wake up the next morning and you just haven't charged it at all because it's been using all this computing power. Yeah, the interesting thing to me is it's made by Sony. This app is a Sony app. That's that's pretty cool. I would not have expected 
that from from them as a company. But then again, I wouldn't expect life insurance. They sell that in Japan. So Sony is kind of a multifaceted company, you might say. Yeah, it's it, it's Sony in uh, in cooperation and conjunction with Stanford University. Ah, nice. Um, and I believe that you know it was originally Sony, if I remember correctly, because this was available on the PS3. Oh wow! Oh, that's so, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, because it it had um, you know the PS3. It the PS3 was one of those things that was uh that was like the hardware was was lauded um you know. Uh, you're, you know, you have a cell processor. Like it, it didn't end up being as, um, as impactful as I think people would have liked. Yeah. Um, but that's where Folding at Home came from. Was they, that uh, they said, well, you have this cell processor. You might as well do something with it when you're not gaming. Yeah, there was a data center company that that would build stacks of PS3s and use them for, I guess, hosting, <laughs> so that's interesting, or doing some sort of computational work. I, I doubt they were doing web hosting, but maybe I don't know. That I was never really interested in that, but yeah, it does seem like the PS3 was a bit of a waste in terms of the power it did have to some extent that wasn't fully utilized in games for many years. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, just, I just did some Googling. Um, you know, on the PS3 version of this, they, uh, they logged over 100 million hours of uh, computation. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's crazy. Um, yeah, and you know it's important. Aliens are cool. Yeah. I like aliens, but this is the sort of stuff that's going to uh, that's going to help us. You know. <laughs> yeah, the whole curing cancer longer. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, whatever the detractors say, it's a good thing. That's right. Uh, okay, we'll we'll wrap this up. Just a couple more uh, stories. Uh, sponsored apps soon to be listed on Google Play. What do you think about this, Nick? Yeah, this is actually news to me. I uh, I guess it's not surprising. I mean, let's be honest. Google doesn't make all their money, the bulk of their money from Android or their App Store or anything like that. They make the bulk of it through ads and things of that nature. And this is right up their alley. So realistically, it's not shocking. It's surprising to me because I wasn't expecting it, but it's not shocking because it is up their alley. So. You know, they do have sponsored ads. Whenever you do a search for Google, generally the top results and many results on the page tend to be, you know, sponsored ads. So when you watch YouTube, when you, you know, you see ads before or maybe during the video. So, yeah, not surprising too much, really. You know, I, I don't really see it as being too, you know, intrusive. Like if you see here in the screen share, you know, just you did a search for travel and it just has – a little travel like and it says ad it clearly says ad yeah. so the 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 experience is very much like like you said it's like a google search and i think all of us know that you know that top spot in the um, top spot in the search results says ad it is an ad but oftentimes it's what you're looking for like these companies have paid for an ad and it is what you are trying to get at anyway so I yeah, don't think it's yeah. necessarily a bad idea. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up Google. I'm going to search like cat. <laughs> I want to see. Uh, I think it's also at the bottom too, but and or sometimes on the side. But let's see. I'm not pulling up ads so much here, or I'm not seeing it. Let me see ad. Anyways, so okay, sorry, <laughs> experiment failed. No. I thought I would catch some ads there, so. 
See, you've just you've just proved that the ads are actually not that bad. Yeah. Um, and I have to say though too, like if if you're if you're an app developer, I can I can totally see where this is this is a cool thing because you can get buried under um, you know all of the uh, you know if you if you have an app that is you know uses a very common keyword, you can get buried under years and years and years yeah. of apps that have not been updated um, yeah. that are not. Like Google's good about sort of popping the relevant ones to the top, but you know if if you if you haven't been around a lot, it's kind of hard to get that momentum to push you up in the search results. Okay, so here's what I did: instead of using a keyword like cat, I used a keyword like Ford. <laughs> We've got Ford.com and Planet Ford, and so yeah, now I'm getting my ads. So <laughs> if you Search for something that's marketable or something that's more likely that a company might make an ad for. You will more likely see ads on there. So yeah, I'm not too surprised. And I'll just say this, you know, in defense of ads, like I personally don't mind ads that much. We're all kind of, we grew, many of us grew up on ads just from television sets stuff like that. But like this Nexus 7, I wouldn't have known about it had it not gone to Google, Google.com, and then a little advertisement. It basically literally just popped up on Google.com. Next to seven, like what? Click on it, and sure enough, I bought it. So ads work. Ads do work, and Google's an ad company, so if it if it's gonna work, they're gonna make it work. <laughs> and try to make money off of it, That's which right. actually they do. <laughs> so last story, last story. We have uh, Google wins dismissal in a lawsuit over Android app limits. Uh, so Reuters is reporting um, that a federal judge on Friday dismissed a lawsuit accusing Google of harming smartphone buyers um, by forcing handset makers to use uh, that forcing and uh, handset makers that use Android to make the search engines own applications the default option uh, so this was out of uh, I believe it was California yeah San Jose California is where the uh, is where the where the uh, court case was being uh, was being run um, I have to say, I kind of like if you if you think about how Android works, and if you read like some of the stuff, um, you know, from Cyanogen and those folks, you know, Google has a Google has a program, a program not like an app, but they have a they have a program like a an approval program where, let's say you're making a smartphone, and you can take it through that program, and you can become like Google certified, and that's how you get the Google apps on the device, um, because it's a big selling point. Um, but apparently these folks thought that it was anti-competitive, which, I mean, I can I can kind of understand if not for the fact that, you know, the Android Open Source Project is not owned by Google. Yeah. Um, they're the biggest contributor, but like I can I can you know buy, a, I could take some cheap hardware from China and I could put Android on it if I wanted to. Um, yeah. And. That would be fine. Yeah, and you can actually sideload the Google apps that you need to as well. But the thing here is, you know, you know, Android, you can like Nokia or Nokia, as they as they say, you know, they had their Nokia. own yeah, Nokia. <laughs> they, they, you know, they had their own Android phone, but it was AOSP, and they they put their own App Store and all that kind of stuff. And that's completely viable. But what Google is doing is they're basically putting a premium on their services. If you want to sell your phone with all these Google services and and, and features built in, and if you look at the operating system now, the operating system is a smaller and smaller portion of Android at this point. Android is in large part the Google Play 
services and all that kind of stuff now that when you buy a phone and to have it on your phone you have to go through the certification process and that's that's the way of the world <laughs> and it, it's kind of sad in that sense that you know like you said a lot of a lot of the stuff that's happening in Android is directly tied to Google Play services so the AOSP is you know the 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 not the significance but the um, uh, like the the robustness of the AOSP project, um, a little redundant. It's it's getting it's getting less and less, uh, which is kind of sad. But in reality, you know, I I read this. And granted, I love I love Google and I like my Android stuff. I don't see this as anti-competitive because you do have the other options. You can look at Cyanogen. Like you can put in the time. Yeah. To, to do something really awesome yourself. You know, um, and the interesting thing is Google's actually providing that base OS of Android, the AOSP, th that you can use as your, your baseline for your phone. So you can, you don't even have to do that development work for your own operating system. You just have to do like Amazon has done. They've had their own fork of, of uh, Android, and they have their own Fire OS, their own UI, and they've done well with that. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I I think this is just you know, it's just people that that get upset because the easier route is to go with the Google side of things, and I'm sure that they would love to you know have all the benefits of Google apps, but then be able to make a side deal with Microsoft for a lot more money to get um to get their search engine uh, replaced. Now, okay, so MB in the chat is saying the obvious thing and the thing that I thought that we had clarified, which is Microsoft said the same thing about Internet Explorer, which it is it is not a one-to-one -one comparison because you cannot get rid of Internet Explorer. You don't have to have Chrome on AOSP. There's a browser. There's a browser. It's not owned by Google. If you do AOSP and you put it on your device, then you have that, like you said, Nick, you have that baseline. If you want to have all of the cool Google crap, then yeah, you have to go through certification, and it's their app. They can yeah. do what they want. The operating system is not theirs. They're they're a big contributor, and they're part of this consortium that sort of runs Android, but it's it's not it's not the same thing. Um, now the folks like the European Parliament is probably going to make comparisons to it, but let's be honest, they're just pissed off because they're not making the money. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, a lot of these European companies that, you know, they they get upset because they they're not. Um, <laughs> I was totally. We already control. see where this is. <laughs> you know, they're upset because they they can't have that chunk of the market in Europe that it's going to, an, you know, going to an international like an outside company. Yeah. Well, yeah. rant over, and, I, and I'm being told in the chat room that I've just been trolled. Thank you. Um, well done, chat room. Good job. Yes. Thank you, chat room. You're great. Um, <laughs> all right, Nick. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, you, what do you got going on this week? YouTube stuff? Yeah, I uh, just unboxed a Motorola wireless headset. Let me show it real quick. And I've been using it all week. I've got an unboxing that I'm going to publish tonight on my channel. It's youtube.com slash user slash Ultron 2K. I'm right around 200 users. My goal is to get 500 so I can change it from Ultron 2K, which is just random username I chose a million years ago back when YouTube was new <laughs> when I signed up in 2006 so yeah great thinking there so anyways uh, that's on my channel um, I've also got a review of my camcorder coming along I won't show it on screen it's just out of arm's reach whatever 
So I've got stuff going on. I'm just a little technology channel. I uh, unbox things, occasionally come out with reviews, and generally a variety of tech-related topics on that channel. So that's that's all i got going on. Very cool. And, uh, you know, just because we're nice, I'll give Matt a plug. Matt is uh, Matt's doing lots of other fun stuff throughout the week over at breaking and uh, breakingmodern.com. He's doing the um, the breaking Android uh, weekly video show. Um, if you haven't checked it out, it's just like two or three minutes of Android news, little bite-sized morsels. Um, it's pretty cool, so you should definitely go to breakingmodern.com and look at the videos. Yeah, one other uh, thing that I like about breakingmodern.com is you know they have a, a variety of tech tech shows or tech like news bits that are coming out over, over time, and Matt does a pretty good synopsis of Android events like two or three times a week on there. They're usually like two or three minutes, uh, so it's pretty cool. Definitely. And uh, if you want to see what I'm up to throughout the week, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at my brother's Chad, or you can check me out on the Google Plus uh, where I am there. I am plus Eric Finkenbeiner, not Eric Finkenbeiner, as some might say. Uh, very cool. Um, all right, I think that's it for us. Um, thanks for coming out. If you want to see other stuff that's going on, you can check out the uh, Google Plus community. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. Um, we have. Uh, we're on iTunes. You can write us a review there. Tell a friend. Uh, and if you'd like to email us, you can email us at show at attackoftheandroid.com. Leave us a message at 406-204-4687 or just join us live because we are live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. we got a chat room over at www.attackoftheandroids.com slash live. And uh, you can also just go to Freenode uh, on IRC. We are irc.freenode.net, pound A-O-T-A. It's been a pleasure, and I will see you next week, Nick. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good one.